Well, good morning. I hope you never get tired of uh, seeing people get baptized, huh? That is, uh, a, a, that's just a thrill because of what it, what it says about what's happened in the life of those who've been baptized. What a, I mean, it's just a testimony of God's work, of the gospel. And uh, so exciting uh, to see that. I trust you'll be uh, praying that God will bring more to uh, go through the waters of baptism because they've trusted Christ as Savior. You know, we were just reminded of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. That's what you saw a picture of for those three who were baptized. Um, And they wanted, as they stated, wanted us all to know very clearly that they are followers of Jesus Christ, that they are what the Bible calls disciples, those who are learning and following about Jesus Christ. Now, we do this publicly because we believe baptism is an ordinance of the church. Now, you say, what in the world is an ordinance? That's one of those words that we use Um, not sacrament, because typically a sacrament is viewed as dispensing grace or something else when that happens, and that's not what happens when an individual is baptized, but um, an ordinance is this, so that you can see it, we put it on the screen for you, a public rite or observance that pictures a central truth of our salvation that was commanded by Jesus Christ to be performed by his church. Now that sounds a little long, but, but that's it. Picturing a central truth of our salvation that is commanded by Jesus Christ and that is to be administered by his church, by the local church. And so there's a couple things as we think that through that I want you to know this morning. First of all, just real quickly, because we're going to do both ordinances. We believe baptism depicts the central truth of our salvation. And then, of course, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which obviously is well pictures a central truth of our salvation. So we're going to participate in both of the ordinances that we believe God's given to us in Scripture for us as a church uh, to perform together. And So baptism, first of all, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, what's called the Great Commission, as of course we use it as part of our mission. Um, We heard Lori talk about that, uh, more like Jesus, Rich talked about that. Jesus, uh, we exist to make or to become more like Jesus, more people, more like Jesus. And that's what's involved. It's making disciples of all nations. Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 19 and 20, tell us this about baptism. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus said this after he'd resurrected from the dead. He met with his disciples probably within 10 days, two weeks, somewhere in that that, uh, time frame. And, And he gave this command. Go make disciples. He told his disciples to reproduce themselves, to tell others, to go and share the gospel. And then he said, when they believe, you baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You heard Pastor Paul do that. 
and, and as he baptized them in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then, of course, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. But part of the disciple-making process is baptism. Jesus commanded that those who know him as Lord and Savior are baptized. That's what we're told right there. That's part of the Great Commission. That's part of becoming a disciple. That's part of the mission of Heritage Baptist Church. It is part of that disciple-making process. It gives evidence by your obedience that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It symbolizes your identification with the message of the gospel. And I think Audrey said it so well. It's the picture of us when we're saved that Jesus died in our place. He was buried and he rose again from the dead and he did that for the forgiveness of our sins. We say it this way, Jesus died in our place for our sins. That is the gospel and that is the picture uh, that is used in the baptismal service. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our Savior. He died, was buried, and rose again, proving He was the Son of God, proving He would forgive, that He could and did forgive our sin because He shed His blood on the cross when He died. And uh, it is... Uh, our, also, that identi- the, the individual's identification with us as a local church, a local body of believers saying, I want to be part of this body of believers, and it's a connection there. So baptism is simply an outward symbol of an inward transformation, a change that God brought about in the life of those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made new creatures, a new creation because of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit of God that he does in our hearts and lives the moment we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Audrey and Rich and Laurie this morning made a public confession of their faith to family, to friends, to us as this body of believers that we call Heritage Baptist Church and uh, to, to, to let us know that they're taking a stand, that they believe that Jesus Christ alone is the forgiver of their sins and that he is now Lord and master of their lives. You see, it's waving a banner. It's drawing a line in the sand. It's here I take my stand. It's going public. There's no turning back. It's letting the world know, if you will, I want everyone to know that I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. That's the statement that those three individuals made this morning. So what is baptism? Well, as we've talked about it, simply put this way, baptism is... 
the public identification of one who believes that Jesus is Savior and Lord and declares himself a follower of Jesus. That's it. That's what the whole point of baptism is all about, to identify yourself with Jesus as Lord and Savior and to declare publicly that you are a follower of Jesus. And that's the significance of baptism. But baptism isn't just commanded as part of the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus himself was baptized, so he set that example. But baptism is also a pattern. It's a pattern. And in Acts chapter 2, the day the church began, Peter preached a message to 3,000 people there in the city of Jerusalem. That very day as he preached the gospel, as he reminded that audience of people, those many of whom who are the ones that put Jesus on the cross, those who had been crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Peter preached to those people, told them that Jesus Christ had died on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose again and that they needed to believe and the conviction of the Spirit of God was so great in the hearts of those people who were listening to Peter preach that they, they, at, the, at the end of Peter's message they cried out, what must we do? And Peter responded in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. Peter said this, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And here it is. Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, what do we do? You, the Spirit of God has convicted you of your sin, of your need to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. The bulk of that audience were Jews. This is a complete change of belief for them. No longer was it in the system of the law. No longer was it in the daily sacrifices of those priests in the temple. It was now faith and trust in the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sin. And when they believed, for them that day, we're told, that, uh, that he, Peter told them to be baptized, we're told in verse 41 then that that is exactly what happened. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Those who accepted the message were baptized. Those who believed, they were then baptized. Now I want to back up a little bit to verse 38 because there is at times confusion about what this verse says. When Peter responded to their question, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There are those who would believe that, that in order to be saved, you have to be baptized. You have to repent and be baptized. And I won't take the time to go into too much depth here except to say that what Jesus is, or what Peter is saying here is those of you who understand your sin need to repent. We could say it this way. In order to receive forgiveness of your sins, repent. 
Repent in order to receive the forgiveness of your sins. He said that to the crowd. The word there, repent, is plural. He was talking to the whole audience of people that needed to be saved, that needed to believe, that needed to turn from their sin. He said, you repent. And then he said individually and after. The idea is once you have been uh, repented, then you need to be baptized. Let each one of you who repents be baptized. That's what we're talking. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, we could say, because your sins have been forgiven. That's the idea. That's the structure of what Peter is saying to the people there in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2. You are baptized after you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the pattern. That is the pattern throughout Scripture. What we have to always do when we come to a passage that seems to present a little bit different perspective than maybe what it appears is to take the big picture of Scripture. God's Word over and over and over again tells us that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone his work on the cross alone. And when we trust Jesus Christ, our sin is forgiven. We are clean before God. We are justified, declared righteous in his eyes. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when that's true of Scripture time after time after time throughout the New Testament as we understand Then we say, okay, so this can't be repent and be baptized. Baptism is not part of getting saved because we understand Scripture so clearly teaches numerous times throughout the Bible that it's by faith alone in Christ alone. So we look at the pattern of Scripture. We could look ahead to Acts chapter 8, and you can write these down, check it out later, and you remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was saved or, or was sent to the Ethiopian eunuch to, to proclaim the gospel. And as he did and as he explained to him, as he was reading from the book of Isaiah, he explained to the eunuch what that meant. And the eunuch w- was saved. He believed. And then it was after that that he said, what then does hinder me from being baptized? Believing, then baptizing. Believing saves. Baptism says, I am saved. I do know Jesus. Acts chapter 16, when the church at Philippi began. Verses 14 and 15, we read about Lydia. Well, the first one who was baptized, she believed first and then was baptized. A few verses later, Paul and Silas are in jail, the Philippian jailer. The earthquake comes. You remember that story? And, and the, 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 the jailer comes to know Jesus Christ. And then he is baptized. We go on to Acts chapter 10. And when the first Gentile believers have believed and come to Jesus Christ, which is a big deal, the first Gentiles who'd come to know Jesus, who'd received the truth of the gospel, many of the Jews at that time thought there was no way unless they became a Jew that they could be saved. And yet the fact of the matter is simply when you believe, Jew or Gentile, you are saved and your sins are forgiven. That happened in Acts chapter 10. And as soon as they believed, 
Peter said, we need them to be baptized, and that's exactly what happened. That is the New Testament pattern. Believe and then get baptized, expressing your faith in Jesus Christ. The pattern is salvation first, then baptism. That's the plan. That's God's pattern in the New Testament. And then one more thought. Baptism is by immersion. By immersion. That's why Audrey and Rich and Lori were completely immersed and came up soaking wet, right? Because that's the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection that we find in Scripture. Now, let me say to you, the word immerse, which is what we believe, means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. That's what we call a baptism by immersion. It means to submerge. It means to soak. That's the idea of the word. And uh, when we use that word, it's not sprinkle. It's not get a little wet. It's not just pour over the top of the head. It's immerse because that is what the word that we use, that we see in Scripture, means. The word for immersion or, or baptism in the Bible is meaning to immerse to submerge, and that's why we practice it that way. Look at um, one more passage of Scripture here in, in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and, and this is what Paul says. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, Peter here, or Paul here is talking about water baptism as a picture of the spirit baptism. Now, folks, you hear many times that spirit baptism is, is this uh, loud proclaiming, speaking in tongues, carrying on, and the whole rest of it that happens sometime after salvation when you get real spiritual. That is not what the baptism of the Spirit is. The baptism of the Spirit, if you want to check it out, the idea here, when all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus... 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 talks about that very thing when Paul says, For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body. The body of believers, the body represents Jesus Christ. So when he says that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus, he's talking about spirit baptism, but it's being pictured by water baptism. We're baptized into his death. So there you have it. When they're upright as Jesus was on the cross and they're down immersed, plunged under the water, the death of Christ. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We come back up out of the water representing, picturing, symbolizing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ came back from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning, he was raised to newness of life in our salvation. We identify with Jesus. We die to sin. We are dead to that, buried, but we're risen again to newness of life in Christ. That is the picture of baptism. 
That's why we do what we do. That's why it's a big deal that we put them all the way under the water. Because that pictures the death and the burial of Jesus and then bringing them back up out the resurrection of Christ from the dead, which gives us newness of life in him. Huh? And we stand here today, and if you know Jesus Christ and have been baptized, you're saying, I am not ashamed to declare to you today that I know Jesus Christ as Savior. That's it. What a great truth. My question would be, as we move into the Lord's Supper, the second ordinance that we celebrate together is, do you believe that Jesus died in your place for your sins? I didn't ask you if you know God, if you know about God, if you know the facts of God. I ask you, do you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, who God sent because of his love for us to this earth to be born so that he could go to the cross, die on the cross, be buried, and raised again from the dead, proving he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who alone will forgive our sins. Do you believe Jesus died in your place for your sins? And if you do, you can say, you know what, if I die today, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Not because of who I am or what I've done or anything like that, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And we who know Jesus declare that to be true. So then my statement would be, if you know Jesus, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Because if you haven't been, you're literally being disobedient to God. You're not following through with the command that God gave. You're not following through with the pattern that God gave. You're not picturing in your life that you believe Jesus died for you. That's the importance of baptism. And so as we move into our time around the Lord's Supper, I would say to you today, um, is the Lord's Supper also the second ordinance of the church that we practice together, which is simply causing us to remember the death of Christ on the cross for us. The shedding of his blood as the only means for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you do not know Jesus Christ, as we just talked about, if you have not received by faith alone the forgiveness of sin that comes through Christ alone, then I would ask you that when we partake this morning that, that you just stay in your seat and don't join in because it doesn't mean anything to you. It, it, you don't understand what, what's involved. There's nothing to remember because you don't know Jesus Christ. But let me say, you can take care of that problem right now. You can believe. You've heard, you've seen the truth of salvation. The forgiveness of sin when we believe that Jesus died 
in our place for our sins. He rose again from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God, the Messiah. And if you do that right here, right now, you will know the forgiveness of sin. You will receive Jesus Christ as Savior, and you can partake with us. Paul told the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as he was talking to the believers there about their need to remember what Jesus Christ had done on the cross. And uh, as we uh, share this morning in the Lord's Supper, what we also call communion, that we remember Christ's death until he comes again. Uh, Peter or Paul said that whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, and we're going to do that in just a minute, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Folks, every time we meet around the bread and the cup, every time we gather around the Lord's table, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus is made clear. We are picturing his death for us. And Paul tells us that we're to do that until he comes back again for us. And then there'll be no need, right? We'll be with him forever. Wow, that'll be fantastic. But until he comes again, we remember Christ's death as a means of proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins.